What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. On his way to the end zone. I'll tell you what, that was a spectacular play. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. What a play! Off to the races! Some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, Heath, and Ben. Probably looking at the best class of rookie wide receivers, now going to be sophomore wide receivers since that 2014 draft class, which is going to be pretty tough to beat. Odell Beckham, Mike Evans, Sammy Watkins, oh, also Devontae Adams, Allen Robinson. Yeah, uh, we'll talk about them within this show. I'm very excited for this show. You know, I love me some year two wide receivers, so let's talk about this group. I'm Adam Azer with Chris Towers, who talked to me about this group of wide receivers yesterday on Fantasy Football Today and 5. It aired today, this morning. And Dave Richard is here. And Dave, Chris and I, um, Chris and I are pumped about these receivers. Should are be. you? Of course. They yeah. are awesome. They they've got potential to be um filling up at least three spots in the top twelve among receivers in Ooh. fantasy twenty twenty one. Well, Chris only has one in his top twenty four. That's interesting. For now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's there's room to improve. I think I have three in my top twenty four. And the reason why I said three in the top 12 is because I think everyone sees it with Justin Jefferson. And I think that T Higgins can get there. And I think that one more from Claypool, Lamb, I'll even say Jerry Judy. um, And, you know, maybe Ayuk could, if things go the right way for him. Um, uh, Claypool, if things go the right way for him, they could potentially make it in the top 12 too. These will be receivers that fantasy drafters go after pretty hard on draft day. And because of that, I think there will be other receivers that aren't, you know, the shiny new second year guys or the shiny new rookies that'll slide a little bit. So there, there's going to be some value created at wide receiver because of these wideouts. Hi, Chris. Hello, again. Hey, how's fantasy baseball today going? It's great. You know, you know, we do it every day. Yes, so that's that's always fun. Check it out, and you can watch it live 10 p.m. Eastern on weeknights. Uh, on on Twitch, Twitch, on YouTube, YouTube channel, Facebook, yeah. yeah, so everywhere. Get ready for your fantasy I think, baseball just season. Broadcast, yeah, uh, broadcast cable. Let's go over to Chris's house. You can see it. <laughs> yes, uh, Justin Jefferson. All right, let's do some rookie wide receiver trivia here. Let's see how you guys do. Justin Jefferson scored the most fantasy points among rookie wide receivers. Who scored the second most? And let's give our listeners, uh, you know, five seconds to think about it themselves. Who scored the second most fantasy points among rookie wide receivers? I mean, all right. Okay. Okay. Who wants to answer first? I'm going to say Claypool. 
Yeah, yeah, that would be my answer. You guys are correct. It's Chase Claypool. He was yeah. 14th in non-PPR, believe it or not, and he was 23rd in PPR. All right, next trivia question. Justin Jefferson was number one among rookie wide receivers in points per game. Who does number two work for? Who was number two? <laughs> uh, five seconds. Three, four, three, two. All right, Chris, Dave, who wants to go first? I think I got it. Yeah, I think I do too. Brandon Ayuk. Brandon Ayuk. You guys are on fire, Brandon Ayuk. All right, Justin Jefferson had the most catches among rookie <laughs> wide receivers. Who had the second most answers in five? Okay, who's got it? Second most catches. Oh, I know who I want to say, but I'm worried that I'm going to break my streak. <laughs> I'm going to say C.D. Lamb. That's who I was going to say. You guys are on fire. It is C.D. Lamb. All right, gets a little harder now. Among rookie wide receivers with 50. What was that, Dave? I stood up and did a 360. Okay. Uh, among rookie wide receivers with 50 or more targets, Jerry Judy ranked second in average depth of target. Second in ADOT, Jerry Judy among rookies with 50 or more targets. Who ranked first? Hmm. Did Ruggs have 50 targets? I'm going to guess that he did. I will say Henry Ruggs. Um, I'll go Denzel Mims. Ruggs did not have 50 targets. He was fourth in dot, but he did not have 50 targets. Uh, mm-hmm. Fourth overall, not among rookies. The answer is Gabriel Davis. Gabriel oh, Davis. Oh, big G. Uh, yeah. That makes sense, yeah. All right, yeah. and finally, in his last seven games, Brandon I. He could be a huge sleeper this year. Yeah. Depends on what happens with John Brown. In his last seven games, Brandon Ayuk was a blank wide receiver on a per-game basis. Was he top five, top 12, or top 20? NFL. (laughs) Top five, top 12, or top 20. Brandon Ayuk in his last seven games, per game, top five, top 12, or top 20. This is PPR we're talking? Both. He was pretty close to top top five until the last couple of games. I'll go with Big 12. Yeah, I'll go top 12. You guys suck. He was top Ah. five. He was fourth in non-PPR, third in PPR in his last seven games, which included a big dud in his last game when George Kittle came back. Okay, Um, that was just the one mm -hmm. game then. He was on pace for 105 catches, more than 1,300 yards, and nine uh, nine touchdowns on 162 targets, about 10 targets per game. I think he only had two targets... How many tar- Maybe five targets, two catches in that game with George Kittle. He um, averaged like six targets per game, six-something targets per game when Kittle was on the field. Yeah. They played in six games together. So that it's a huge strike against Ayuk and why you shouldn't be crazy excited to draft him. Yeah, and, and he only played four games with Kittle and Debo Samuel. You know, so there were two games that he played with Kittle without Debo Samuel. All right, that is uh, trivia. You guys tied. Good job. I'm sure one of the listeners out there did better. Now, if you want to do even better, you know, when you're when it comes to stepping up your streaming game, check out Paramount Plus. All right. This is a big deal here. You've probably seen the journey to Mount Paramount spots featuring Bill Cower, James Corden, Patrick Stewart, Beavis and Butthead, my personal favorite. Quite a squad there. Paramount Plus is live sports, breaking news, and a mountain of entertainment. You can go straight from game day to movie night with Paramount Plus. You can stream iconic movies like The Godfather, Indiana Jones, Mission Impossible, new episodes of critically acclaimed original series like Star Trek, Picard, The Good Fight, and The Stand. 
And uh, you can also dive into live sports from CBS Sports, including the NFL, March Madness, the Masters, and Champions League Soccer. And hits, hit shows from CBS, Nickelodeon, MTV, BET, Smithsonian Channel, Comedy Central, and live sports, as I mentioned. So it's live sports. It's breaking news. It's a mountain of entertainment. It's Paramount Plus streaming March 4th. Now you've got your heads up. Paramount Plus, March 4th. Time for some rankings. Give me your top five year two wide receivers. Top five year two wide receivers. Dave, you can kick it off. Do you, uh, shall we do it the same way we did the running yeah. backs where we go five to one? That was fun. Yeah. Um, five. F- okay. Who, you, Chris, you good? You got your top five? Yes. All right. Let's give me number five, Dave. Number five for me is Brandon Ayuk. Okay. Chris? Chase Claypool. All right. Dave, four. C.D. Lamb. Brandon Ayuk. Dave? Number three mm-hmm. is Chase Claypool. Chris? T. Higgins. All right, so let's recap. So far, Dave has Ayuk five. Uh, who is four? Lamb? Lamb. Lamb and Claypool three. Chris has Claypool five, Ayuk four, Higgins three. Dave? Higgins is number two for me. And Jefferson one. Uh, well, I mean, I don't want to spoil <laughs> Judy, it. Judy Come one. In, can you please? You Jefferson know. six. It might be Brian Edwards. Okay. Who's number two for you, Chris? CeeDee Lamb. CeeDee Lamb. We have the, the same people in the top five. Okay. Different order. So you also have Brian Edwards number Brian one? Brian Edwards number one, yes. All right, great. I was just kidding. My number one is Justin Jefferson. All right, so from one to five for Dave, it's Jefferson, T. Higgins, Claypool, Lamb, Ayuk. For Chris, it's Jefferson, Lamb, Higgins, Ayuk, Claypool. Well, how about we talk about T. Higgins? Dave has him second. Chris has him third. Uh, no, it's more interesting to talk about CeeDee Lamb. Chris has him second. Dave has him fourth. Psh. All right, go ahead, Chris. CeeDee Lamb. Yeah, there, there's uh, one, a, a pretty significant drop-off for me between number one and number two. And then there's a very small gap between number two and really number five. Um, I CeeDee Lamb is number two right now, mostly because... I think he's going to be in the best offense of these guys. I think he's, you know, at least equally talented, if not, you know, you know, maybe the most talented of the group. And there are questions about how many targets both or all three of Higgins, Ayuk, and Chase Claypool will have. But hopefully we will get some pretty significant answers to those within the next month or so when free agency starts, in which case I could see Lamb falling to number five. You know, if AJ Green walks and the Bengals don't make a, a significant addition. If Juju Smith, Juju Smith Schuster walks and the Steelers don't make a significant addition, Ayuk, it's kind of harder to find, you know, the the path to a larger target share unless there are just more passes available. If the 49ers go out and get, you know, Deshaun Watson or someone who's going to throw the ball more. All right, David, you have Lamb fourth. You could just talk about the whole group, I guess. We'll talk about Jefferson separately, but you have Higgins second, Lamb all the way at fourth, Claypool third, Ayuk fifth. Sure. Um, I got a lot to say about all these guys. Yeah. If I could summarize, I think it's, it's simply put that they all have potential. I don't know if Ayuk does, but Higgins, obviously Jefferson, but Higgins, Claypool, Lamb, they all have potential to be the number one receiver for their respective teams. In the case of Lamb, it's great that he's got Dak Prescott coming back. At least that's what we're assuming. 
but he still has to share with Amari Cooper and if Gallup is still there and whatever the running backs do. And I'm a little bit worried about him breaking through into 125, 130 targets, something like that. I think he's going to need an injury to one of his teammates for him to do it. So I think that you can look at him as, okay, a great number three fantasy receiver, especially in PPR, but he's got upside to be in that top 12 range. Like we talked about, I'm not going to put him anywhere near there because I think it's just safer to draft him as that wide receiver three for your fantasy team. Or maybe you draft him as a wide receiver two, knowing that there's some downside baked in, there's some upside too. Claypool, I love the way that the Steelers used him, but he's got a lot of volatility. Who's his quarterback going to be? What's this offense going to look like? Um, the Steelers are kind of a weird offense right now because their offensive line is unsettled. Their quarterback is unsettled. Juju, we don't know if he's coming back. We don't know what the run game is going to look like. But I did like how the coaches gravitated toward Claypool early last season. He had 13 red zone targets. That, I believe, was second most among rookie wide receivers last year. Ayuk had the most. And I, I, I just I see that role growing. I think his deep ball role will grow. I just wish he had a quarterback that I knew for sure could get him the ball in those situations. Higgins. Higgins is my favorite of, of everyone not named Jefferson. Uh, I am expecting A.J. Green to leave Cincinnati. That'll open up some targets for Higgins. It should make him the number one receiver there. He also did well on deep balls. He did a great job connecting with Burrow. I'm going to almost promise everyone that Higgins and Burrow will get together to throw this offseason and I think those two are really going to connect in a big way. I think Higgins has a ton of upside, and I'm willing to bank on that. I'm willing to draft him closer to that top 12-ish range. I think I've met wide receiver 15 in PPR. Uh, Adam, I think he's got a great shot to, to meet that expectation and maybe climb a little bit higher. He is great. And the Bengals are not a great team. Their offensive line will be better. That'll help Burrow, and they'll throw a decent amount because Burrow is the identity of that offense. Higgins finished as a top 30 wide receiver, and he did reach 900 yards, and that is a big benchmark for rookie wide receivers. If you have reached 900 yards, you're probably going to have a good career. I'll tell you more about that later if you haven't, if you don't remember all of it from last year. Um, 908 yards for Higgins in 16 games, uh, and he really only played 15 games. He left after three snaps in week 17. So on pace for 969 yards in his 15 healthy games. So that's T. Higgins. And what I lo- what we loved about him, so consistent. Once he got going with Joe Burrow, his last six games um, with Burrow, uh, I think it was his last six. Maybe it was six of his last. But anyway, he had a six-game stretch where he had 71 or more yards in five of six games. He had uh, 10 or more PPR fantasy points in every game, 12 or more PPR in five of six games. Was he amazing? No, but he's very consistent. You were starting him. And in that stretch, he faced Baltimore. He faced Indianapolis. He faced Pittsburgh. He faced some bad defenses too, Jacksonville, Cleveland, Tennessee, but um, did well, very well. Okay, so let's say this. Most likely scenario, you guys can tell me if you disagree. Most likely scenario, Dak Prescott is back. Yeah, Um, Dallas. Ben Roethlisberger is back. Hmm. I'm just saying it's the most I likely. Agree. Uh, AJ Green is gone. Juju Smith-Schuster is gone. And Gallup and Cooper are back. So in that case, Chris, how much would that change your ranking since you have CeeDee Lamb number two, then Higgins, then Ayuk, then Claypool? But I'm telling you that Green is gone in Cincinnati, and Juju's gone in Pittsburgh. 
and Roethlisberger's back, and Dak is back as well. But, you know, then what would you do if that were the case? That definitely uh, shrinks the gap, and, you know, it, it might be enough to push C.D. Lamb down to fourth at the position. I think he's going to be ahead of Brandon Ayuk no matter what. Um, Ayuk, there are just some sort of troubling things in his splits, when Debo did and didn't play and when Kittle did and didn't play, he was much better, obviously, when those guys didn't play. Um, Claypool, you know, I have him projected for the fewest targets of anyone in this group. I have him projected for just 96 right now. So if Juju leaves, they won't all go to Chase Claypool and the Steelers will probably throw less than they did last season just because I think yeah. last season what they did, and they probably agree it was probably unsustainable. Yeah, they led it, the it just, NFL in pass attempts despite yeah. giving up the third fewest points in the NFL. It was very strange. Yeah, and it was like what six hundred and sixty or something like that. Yeah, it was a it was a huge number. Yep. Um, so I I would imagine they're going to throw the ball last, so it won't just be oh everything Juju Smith Schuster got. You can just throw it on uh, Chase Claypool. But I think you probably get him to 120, 125 targets, and given you know what I think we project as his red zone prowess, his big playability, even with uh, a quarterback I don't have a lot of faith in. I think there's a pretty good chance he moves up to number two at the position with Higgins third in the AJ Green walks scenario um, and Lamb fourth ahead of Brandon Ayuk. But I think the gap between two and four is going to be very small. And as of right now, first run of projections, Chris has only one wide receiver in this class in his top 24. Dave has three. You have, where are they? Jefferson, Higgins, and Claypool. Yeah, where are they in the rankings? Yeah. Jefferson is going to be in the top 12. I think that's pretty obvious. Um, He's seven for me. Jefferson is seventh for you. He yeah. is seventh for me as well. There you go. Higgins yeah. is 15th, and Chase Claypool is 23rd. One spot ahead of Juju as it stands today. And Jefferson finished seventh in his rookie season, which is... Exactly what Odell Beckham finished as uh, in his rookie season, except Beckham did it in 12 games. Beckham had an amazing rookie season, but that's the 2014 class. Beckham was 7th, Evans was 13th, Kelvin Benjamin was 15th, Jordan Matthews was 25th, Sammy Watkins was 27th, Jarvis Landry was 30th. So you had Kelvin Benjamin top 15, you had Jordan Matthews top 25, you did not have Allen Robinson uh, or Devontae Adams with a good rookie year, really. Right. And they're the two best right now, along with Mike Evans. So you never know how it's going to turn out. Um, but that that class had three top 24. All of them were top 15. And this class, this recent class, had three top 24 as rookies, but only Jefferson was in the top 20. Four top 30 wide receivers. Uh, that class had six top 30 wide receivers. So it was certainly better. But this, we had a really bad stretch of rookie wide receivers uh, and things have changed with this class for sure. So it's really encouraging. All right, you gave me your top five. I'll recap for Dave. It's Jefferson Higgins, Claypool, Lamb, Ayuk. For Chris, it's Jefferson, Lamb, Higgins, Ayuk, Claypool. How about six and seven? You guys got that handy? Who's number six and seven? I can go all the way to 15 for you, Adam. Uh, my uh, number six is Jerry Judy. Okay, and number... LaVisca Chenault for me. Oh, we're doing that again? Well, but now you're counting oh, back, and now you're counting sorry. up. Wait, so that's seven or six, Dave? That's six. All right, give me six and seven. Judy? Judy is six, Pittman is seven. Chenault and, is eight. Okay, Judy, Pittman, Chenault. We'll go six through eight. And how about you, Chris? 
Chenault, Denzel Mims is number seven for me. Hmm. And then Judy is eight. <sighs> Interesting group. Interesting group. All drafted pretty early. Dave goes six, Judy, seven, Pittman, eight, Chenault. Chris goes six, Chenault, seven, Mims, and eight, Judy. Chris Chenault, number six. Yeah, I I have a lot of faith in that offense being quite a bit better this season. And, you know, obviously this, the rookie season didn't go quite the way uh, I think most of us hoped for Chenault, but, you know, it's it's not like he was bad. 600 yards in, in, in 14 games, uh, 91 rushing yards. You know, it wasn't quite Debo Samuel's rookie season, but there were some similarities in how he was used there were some similarities in the skill set and the fact that he did it in uh you know a jaguars offense that was significantly less efficient than san francisco's you know i I think the fact that they were so intent on getting the ball in his hands 79 targets 18 rush attempts in 14 games i think that bodes well obviously new coaching staff new leadership team new quarterback all of that could uh, lead to changes in how he's used but that's not necessarily for the worst you know, it could be that he comes in as the number one option next season. I think he has the skill set for it. So um, I really like LaVisca Chanel and the fact that, you know, he like Robert Woods, he could end up finishing better in fantasy than his receiving stats make you think he would uh, is a nice bonus as well. I like him too, but if, if we're going to put him in that same category of underwhelming rookie year wide receiver, um, as Jerry Judy, I'd rather have Judy. I think Judy's got more upside in Denver to take a bigger chunk of that target share and, and be uh, a bigger contributor to fantasy managers. I, uh, but don't let that suggest that I don't like LaVisca Chanel as a, as a, as a speculative fantasy pick. I'd, I just, I would rather speculate on Judy and Pittman ahead of him. We know Chark is still there, but I get the sense that one of those two, Chark and Chenault, one of them is going to fall out. And it, I, the the coaching staff is going to find some, at least one more receiver in the draft that they're going to want to pair with Lawrence. Am I giving it away that the Jaguars are going to take Trevor Lawrence? Yeah. I well, I think that's also what it comes down to for me is I just have a lot more faith in a an untested Trevor Lawrence than I do a tested and I think mostly failed Drew Locke. Drew Locke. Yep. I, I, I get that too. And they're... Neither one, I think, can be viewed as a surefire 100 target guy. Yeah. But if I had to pick one that I think had a chance to get to 100, if not 110, I would still say Judy because I think he's got better talent than Lucas. I agree with that. I think he's a more talented receiver. And uh, I, 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 I don't think he's as bad as he looked last year. And I don't no, know I, I fully I, agree. I don't know why. That, yeah. I, yeah, sure. Well, who are you talking and about, I Judy? Know, I don't know what Judy. Judy. Yeah, well, you know, you know what bothered me about, about Judy? I mentioned that he was second among rookie wide receivers in A dot minimum 50 targets. You look mm-hmm. at at you look at all of the Broncos wide receivers, and they're just their A dot is so high. This is a guy who had the reputation of being the best route runner in college football. For sure. Why is he just a deep threat? Okay, I just don't really think he was used properly. And I would say that they didn't use their receivers in general properly because they're just all of three, their top three receivers are all top 40 in ADOT. And that's when, you know, top 40 when you include guys who have, they're really like no target minimum. John Hightower's number one, for example. So I think it's just, just ridiculous. Like vary the offense a little bit here. I think part of that is just they were losing so much and you yeah, have to play more aggressively. And, and Drew Locke has... I think it's Locke. 
I think Locke has a bit of uh, Jameis Winston in him. He he definitely has a bit of a gunslinger mentality. He's just he's like a more mistake prone Jameis Winston and a less talented version. <laughs> um, I'm not a fan. I don't think he's very good. Um, you don't say. The problem for me with Judy, I actually, the fact that he got so many targets and earned so many downfield targets and was frankly open so much, I, that matters to me a lot more than the 10 drops, especially because mm-hmm. six of those 10 drops were in that one weird game. So I just, I don't put oh, what a game. all that much stock <laughs> in that. That was never an issue for him uh, really in college. So I look at the fact that he was open so much and are garnering so many targets as a better sign than the drops are a bad sign. I yep. just, I have questions about the offense, and obviously we haven't seen him with Cortland Sutton, and so that's a big you know one. who's going to be in the number one there is I, I think a, a pretty uh, interesting question that you know hopefully we get an answer to relatively early on. Yeah, and, think, and Dave, uh, they got to do something about Locke. Well, who's got who's got the best chance of being up aside of the top five? You know, let's get past those oh. top five, right? Best chance of being the number one receiver on their team. You know, you've got Jacksonville, you've got Jalen Rager and Deshaun Jackson got released. Alshon yeah. Jeffrey's probably not going to be back. You will have Dallas Goddard there, maybe Ertz. Um, but you got Rager. Pittman has a chance because T.Y. Hilton could be gone. You know, who's got the best chance of, you know, 110 or more targets maybe being the clear number one wide receiver on his team? Outside of those top five that we've already talked about. Yeah, and, and this guy, right. and whoever you say is probably going to be ahead of uh, ahead of Brandon Ayuk anyway. Well, maybe not, actually. But in terms of, well, Brandon Ayuk, I could see him leading the team, but not getting like 110 targets, maybe. Right. I, it, we've it, seen that from I the mean, Niners before. In terms of leading the team in targets or being their number one receiver, it might be Denzel Mims. It just might not be 110 targets. Um, yeah. And he might not, you know, he's a, he's an older player. You know, we don't know who the quarterback's going to be, how good that offense is going to be. Um, but if Jameson Crowder walks, I think Denzel Mims should probably be the odds-on favorite to lead the Jets in targets, and it sounds like Jameson Crowder may not be back. He could be a terrific 10 PPR point per week receiver with gusts up to 15 and 20 yes. on certain weeks. He he absolutely has that potential because of opportunity more than anything else in New York, uh, and it wouldn't surprise me if Crowder took a walk either with the offense changing and and, uh, and being different, although it wouldn't be his choice, he probably would like to stay because then he'd get paid. I gotta go with Judy for your question, Adam. But I think Cortland Sutton will be back. Chance. I know. How but is he I gonna... still, I Judy? Uh, th- there was talk from I know Brady Quinn said it right after the draft, and I know that others have talked about it. There was talk that uh, potentially he could be the number one receiver uh, really soon after both of them were on the field. And I know that sounds crazy because Judy had a terrible year, but. I, I just, I see that talent and I want to buy into it. And I know that if he had had even like a a solid year last year, if he had put up, you know, significantly better numbers than he did, but not necessarily top five among the rookie class, he, he would get reached for. I think that we're going to be able to say that Judy will come at some sort of a value. Um, and it could be like round six. And they could fit really well together, Judy and, and Sutton. They should. If, They're going to make yeah. it tough on defenses for sure. Yeah, but, I mean, if Sutton's the deep threat guy and Judy can kind of be a little bit more all over, underneath. he's got the skill yeah. set, I think, to play you know either role. Um, and, you know, I think that deep ADOT, you know, it's worth taking into account that the fact that he only caught 54% of his passes 
the fact that he had so many deep passes is part of that. You know, those oh, are yeah, harder, yeah. Ha- harder balls to, to haul in. Sorry sure. to, to, to interrupt you, Chris. What was that eight out again, Adam? Because I've got a different, I've got another number to compare that to. For Jerry Judy, his mm-hmm. ADOT was 13.5. Okay. And according to our pals at True Media, his average route depth, now this is just whether he's targeted or not, was 8.7 yards. It's 79th among all receivers in the NFL. Mm. Is there a, Okay. So they just weren't throwing to him when he was running shorter routes? I think it's a byproduct of Drew Locke's gunslinging mentality. And we, we've apparently gotten to the point where we're not comparing him to Favre and we're not comparing <laughs> him to Cutler and we're comparing him to Jameis. And you know what? It ain't a wrong comparison. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the Broncos should be shoving everything they can in the Texans' face for Deshaun Watson. That is Denver is it. my, that's my hoped for land. Like anytime there's a quarterback available. Yep. Stafford would have been amazing there. Yeah, like who? What's the ideal landing spot? Denver. They've got yes. the the weapons to to turn into. I think one of the elite offenses of the NFL. If uh, if the QB yeah. situation and the offense, it's line. crowded though. It's, the offense crowded. Good. Yeah. It could be better. We'll see what they do, but it should be improved. Okay, so let me ask you about Henry Ruggs, who was the first guy drafted in this class. Had a Really disappointing. He didn't even get the 50 targets, as we already told you. Really disappointing rookie year. No rugs, no Rager in your top eight. Are they in your top 10? Yeah, they're nine. They are nine and 10. Oh, how about that? Okay. Yeah, rugs is nine, Rager is 10. So and- tell me why my Henry Ruggs is not just Corey Davis or Corey Coleman. Both of those guys were the first ones drafted in their wide receiver class. They were first round picks. They're busts. I mean, Davis, you know, finally showed up a little bit. Right. Why should I not the same type of receiver as Davis? He's more like. Why should I have faith in in Henry Ruggs? It's it's kind of a tough sell to be honest with you because I I don't know if there's, um, if there's a game plan in Vegas for him to see a lot of targets every week. I think they love him as a deep ball guy. His speed is, yeah, it's a ten out of ten. He's among the fastest receivers in the league. But to expect him to come through on that type of speed on four targets a game or five targets per game, I think that's, I think it's very, very risky. But everybody knows it. And you should be able to draft him accordingly. And if you're talking about round eight, nine, 10 for Henry Ruggs, where the, the risk is small. And the upside to use him as a number three receiver is great on a week-to-week basis. Yeah, he's going to give you some weeks where he's two for 25. But he's also going to give you some weeks where he's four for 125 and two touchdowns. You play that as your number three receiver sometimes. Depends yeah. on your league. I wish we had gotten more of the of the good weeks. You know, it was it wasn't just that it was low volume. He just didn't hit all that often. He was at 10 yards per target, but you know, given the fact that it was only 45 targets. I, I would imagine there were a handful of big plays that really inflated that. Um, he had three games with more than 50 yards. Um, Yikes. So, like, you can deal with the low volume. Like, like, if it was Deshaun Jackson, you know, we've always talked about him as a guy who could win you any given week, but he's inconsistent. Um, you know, Ruggs didn't really even have the the big blow-up games. He, he had two games with more than 55 yards. He scored his only two touchdowns in those two games as well. Yeah, but as of now, Nelson Aguilar is a free agent. So, you know, unfortunately, he was fourth on the team in targets. You forget about Hunter Renfro. It's not like Renfro had a great year, but he had a lot Fifth. more. 
He was fifth. If your targets than Josh Jacobs. Oh my goodness! All right, he had more yards <laughs> than Josh Jacobs, right? So he was fourth in yards. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure. But Ren, I mean, it's like yes. okay, I know he had to compete with Aguilar and with Waller. Oh gosh, Hunter Renfro did a lot better than Henry Ruggs. Ruggs was just bad. How about this uninvolved? How about this uh, group of wide receivers looking at the draft we did right after the season ended in early January? This is late round nine into round ten. Ruggs was the last pick of round nine. So uh, it goes Gallup, Hardman, Chenault, Ruggs, Curtis Samuel, Mike Williams. Gallup, Hardman, Chenault, Ruggs, Curtis Samuel, Mike Williams. Dave, what do you think about Ruggs in that range? I mean, that's probably where he's going to go. That's going to be, and no one's going to draft him as a number one receiver, number two receiver. He won't be a priority number three receiver. He's going to be, you almost look at him the same way you, you kind of think about Deshaun Jackson once upon a time, probably like in those Washington days. Let's see what Deshaun Jackson's rookie season looked like. Could be a good comparison. Hopefully it wasn't very good for Rent Ruggs to say. Uh, it was really good. It was 62 yeah. catches, 912 yards, and two touchdowns on 120 targets? Whoa! Way back in 2008. That was his second highest of his career. Second most targets. Yeah, my goodness. Yeah, that. I guess the thing... Ruggs has going for him is he didn't turn 22 until after the season. He's very young for a, a rookie wide receiver. Um, and he has got, he's got draft pedigree. So you, you figure they're going to stick with him and keep giving him opportunities just because they're, they want to make that, uh, you know, number 12 pick look better. Um, and it's too early to say he can't be a very good wide receiver. But when you're talking about a rookie class that, produce the way that this one did. And you're talking about a guy who didn't produce, even though he had right. uh, ample opportunity to and started 12 of the 13 games he appeared in and was always, you know, on the field. Uh, it's not a good sign. And then there are the questions about who the quarterback's going to be, you know, whether they, you know, try to trade Derek Carr, which it sounds like they may, um, mm, I'm thinking, you know, we'll see. No. Okay. I'm going to ask you some more questions. Favorite sophomore sleeper, biggest sophomore bust, highest dynasty value, maybe other than Justin Jefferson. I might have to. Everything is like other than Jeff, Justin Jefferson. <laughs> and we have to put his season in perspective. Wait until you hear the list of 1,400-yard wide receivers. Not rookies, just 1,400-yard wide receivers in the last 10 seasons. And he had 1,400 on the nose. Um, and I also like. I want to talk about Brandon Marshall. Find out why. Uh, we're going to take a quick break and answer mm. these questions when we come back. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 
Welcome back to our sophomore wide receiver show. or assessing the rookies. You know, they're in the middle of their rookies slash sophomore offseason. So. They're done with their rookie year. Okay. Who's your favorite sophomore sleeper, Dave? I've got a lot of names that could that can make this list. Um, Give me I'm one gonna, or two. I'm going to try and go a little bit off the radar and think of a name that you might be able to get in round 10 plus, and that's Darnell Mooney mm. with the Chicago Bears. Didn't give you a ton, okay? Only six games last year with double-digit PPR points, but he seemed to play better when Chicago's tight ends didn't play well. Um, I, I think his speed is good. I think he was making some really nice plays. I expect the Bears to try and do something at quarterback and improve on Trubisky slash Foles, and I don't know if Allen Robinson's going to be there. So there could be a nice opportunity for Darnell Mooney to carve out a bigger role. Chris, favorite sophomore sleeper? I like Darnell Mooney. I like Gabriel Davis. If uh, the Bills decide to move on from either Cole Beasley or John Brown, John Brown seems more likely. But I will go with Denzel Mims, who you know definitely did not have a big rookie season, but you know wasn't that much less productive than Henry Ruggs. Um, he only played nine games, and really, I think the last three he was dealing with some family issues. He left the team uh, in Week 14, and you know had a much reduced role after that. Uh, but in the six weeks that he played after coming back from his hamstring injury and before that, uh, he averaged, he was on an 864-yard pace on a 96-target pace. So he was pretty efficient. He was making plays down the field. And obviously, this was within the, within the context of a you know probably historically bad Jets offense. I haven't quite looked where they compared to the rest of the league, but it sure felt like uh, some historic levels of futility. So... I think Denzel Mims has a chance to be the number one option in New York and what should be a better offense. I think, you know, 110, 120 targets is within the realm of possibility if Jameson Crowder leaves and, you know, he could be pretty good. So uh, I'll go with Denzel Mims. Yeah, the Jets were the lowest scoring team, 243 points. The Giants were second, 280 points. I will gap. I will take a look and see the last time a team scored fewer than 243 points. It's going to take a while, so you guys uh, talk amongst yourself. Biggest sophomore bust. Who's going to be the biggest sophomore bust? <laughs> um, I mean, Justin Jefferson has the the biggest risk, I guess, if we're drafting him as a top seven wide receiver. If he's a top, you know, eighteen guy, that that would probably hurt. But I I think I would go with Brandon Ayuk. I think mm-hmm. there is an extremely high amount of hype for him, and I get why. I really like him. I think he's an incredibly talented wide receiver, and in the right situation, I think he could be a number one fantasy wide receiver. But he played six games with George Kittle active. He was on a 91-target pace. I think in the eight games that he played with um, Debo Samuel active, it was something like a 93 or 95-yard uh, target pace. Yes, he's a rookie, and so maybe the the target share increases. But there were only two or three games with both of them, I think. And so we haven't really seen this offense with Jimmy Garoppolo, with Debo Samuel, with George Kittle, and with Brandon Ayuk. But my assumption is it's not going to be a lot of volume overall. And I I don't know if Brandon Ayuk's going to be the number one option. But even if he is, it's going to be a relatively small sample. So he's going to have to be extremely efficient to justify what I would imagine is going to be a, you know, top 24 wide receiver ADP. Okay. Ayuk, there were four games where all three players, Ayuk, Debo and Kittle played in those four games. Ayuk had 21 targets, 
Samuel had 22 targets. Kittle had 40 targets. And Ayuk had only one good game. He had 115 yards against the Patriots, and otherwise he was he was bad. But, look, you know, you can't judge rookie-wide receivers too harshly. That was early in his career, obviously. But, you know, 21 targets for him, 22 for Debo, and 40 for Kittle. That's right. That's kind of let you know who the big dog is. Yeah. And it probably should be that way. But, well, I don't know, because Ayuk I, had a tremendous rookie season. So, so did Debo. Not nearly as good as Ayuk, at just as a receiver. Like, so he had he had nine hundred ninety seven. He was on pace for nine hundred ninety seven yards in sixteen games. Debo had eight hundred and two receiving yards in fifteen games. He was on pace for eight fifty five, but that was with ten yards per target. He added one hundred and sixty rushing yards. He had uh, three rushing touchdowns. Yeah, I, mean, I think you have to keep all of that stuff in mind just in terms of his ability to make plays. I, um, I don't think there are a lot of offenses that are at their best when the tight end is the most targeted player. You know, I mean, I think oh, it's like Kansas city. I, like I said, I offenses. said there are there not are. a lot of offenses that are like, there are very few. And I think ideally you want your wide receiver to be your best receiver. And I think it would really require Debo Samuel taking a big step back and not being all that fantasy relevant. But if Ayuk develops, Ayuk is a first round pick. Um, yeah. You know, if he develops into a stud receiver, then, you know, then he could be not Tyreek Hill. You know, it could be Tyreek Hill and, and Kelsey. That's where I was going to go. Hopefully not. I, I'm not saying he's going to put up Tyreek Hill numbers, but no, but that's like, I think that ceiling is there, but I think there's a lot that needs to change in San Francisco for us to get there. Mm-hmm. And it needs to be involved Debo taking a step back, or maybe he just doesn't stay on the field that much. It involves the quarterback playing, in this case, Garoppolo better than he's ever played. If it's somebody else, it's better than Garoppolo's ever played. And it might come down to a change in offensive philosophy, which I doubt Kyle Shanahan's got in him because he is a master at running the football. He's got a good offensive line that can, that can uh, make that happen. So Dave, let me give you a stat real I'm quick, just, though, on, I, that, on that I subject. Think, uh, we've talked a lot about Ayuk's floor. I think the the narrow ceiling that we're talking about is he's the Tyreek Hill to George Kittle's Travis Kelsey, and is there a chance the 49ers saw that in him when they reviewed the 2020 film and they go, all right, we got to find more ways to get Ayuk the football. Yeah. Because that's, that would be a conclusion that I would come to. Is that Ayuk? I don't think Ayuk got lucky. I no, think no, I think he's really good. Year that he's really right. right that he's right. I think really we good. all. I think we all agree on that. That he's really good. It's just the opportunity might not be great. But keep this in mind: where have they ranked four seasons under Kyle Shanahan? Where have they ranked in rush attempts per game? Twenty second, eleventh, second, and fourteenth. So they've only been mm. a really run heavy team once. And and where have they ranked in terms of scoring defense in those four seasons? Uh. 25th, 28th, 8th, and 17th. They've only had one good year as a defense. Other than that, they were average last year, but really weren't that good, right? And they were really bad the first two years under Shanahan. But in that one good year, that was their Super Bowl year, they were second in the NFL in rush attempts. So they got so injured on defense. They come back healthy. They got the pieces to have a much better defense. You have to keep that in mind because we are now seeing when they have a great defense, Kyle Shanahan, he wants to run the ball no matter what. The better their defense, it seems like the less the less they're going to pass. And right. one one thing I would would add, you know, Dave mentioned the kind of three ways that 
uh, IU could take that step forward. And, and I think the quarterback is a, an interesting one because we know that the 49ers were going after Tom Brady last offseason. And Jimmy Garoppolo, I think they can get out of that with like $1 million in dead money or something, a uh, really low number in 2020. I can look it up, but I think you're right. Um, and so I think they're a prime spot for an upgrade. And if they could get Deshaun Watson, I don't know if they have the, the trade parts for it, but if they could get an upgrade at quarterback, one thing about this offense that we've seen is when you know, uh, the backup quarterbacks have come in for Jimmy Garoppolo, the team's yards per attempt def- generally doesn't move that much. What happens is they turn the ball over, they score fewer touchdowns, but they remain similarly efficient. And because that's what uh, Kyle Shanahan's offense has been really good at in the passing game has been generating a lot of yak. They've been, you know, consistently, yeah. I think the leader in team yak over the last couple of seasons. Yeah. With a better quarterback, then you get more yards before the catch in addition to the the yak that they can scheme up. And they've gone after guys like Kittle, Samuel Ayuk, who can make a lot of plays after the catch. That's where this offense, I think, could take the step forward. With a better quarterback, could be even more efficient. You could be looking at, uh, you know, Ayuk getting 110 targets, but getting 1,200 yards as a result of it. They they would eat about three million in, on the cap if they jettisoned Garoppolo, either via trade or just straight up release. Yeah. So interesting. It's interesting. It's an interesting situation to watch. And the more accurate of a quarterback they get in San Fran, the better it would be for everybody there, obviously. But for Ayuk, especially uh, when you're talking about that yak, he needs that for sure. All right. Who's got the highest dynasty value other than Justin Jefferson, or is it Justin Jefferson? We can start with that and then. I guess give me your top two. Top two dynasty wide receivers in this class. We have a a dynasty draft this week. I would imagine that Justin Jefferson will be the the first rookie receiver off the board. I bet Lamb goes second. And then I, I, I'm not sure who goes third. I still think that you could make the case for Judy. Maybe he becomes a value if he's not third and it's Higgins or Claypool at third, fourth. And Judy would probably jump ahead of Ayuk at five. That, I think that would like be my top five. Top Heath six. has C.D. Lamb as his number two dynasty rook or sophomore. He's 15th overall. Um, T. Higgins is third at 17th overall in his dynasty rankings mm-hmm. on CBSports.com. And just to tell you why you really need to pay attention to this group, I mean, we outlined it a lot. Year two is a big year for wide receivers. They come out of nowhere sometimes. Um they, they, you know, DJ Chark, Michael Gallup didn't do much as rookies. Cortland Sutton, I believe, right? And he was mm-hmm. great in his second year. And then the ones that get 900 yards, we sort of use that as a benchmark. And now, let me let me just get the updated numbers because we had three rookies last year, who had, three rookies in 2019 who got to 900 yards. They were AJ Brown, DK Metcalf, and Terry McLaurin. Okay, they were pretty good. Mm-hmm. McLaurin yeah. was a little unlucky, but the three of them were great. Prior to that, you know, there have been 18 wide receivers since 2000 that got to 900 yards as rookies, and only four of them, Calvin Benjamin, Michael Clayton, Eddie Royal, Mike Williams of Tampa Bay, only four of them didn't have good careers. You know, the other ones are Juju. I guess jury's kind of out there, but Juju, A.J. Green, Colston, Dwayne Bowe, Watkins, a little disappointing. Andre Johnson, Julio Jones, Deshaun Jackson, Amari Cooper, Odell Beckham, Michael Thomas, Mike Evans, Anquan Bolden, Keenan Allen. These are 900-yard rookie wide receivers. 900. Justin Jefferson got to 1,400. But how many got to 900 last year? Three of them did. 
Uh, it was T. Higgins, C.D. Lamb, and Justin Jefferson. So they are in good company and uh, in position to have good second seasons. And as far sure. as Justin Jefferson goes, this is kind of cool. In the last 10 seasons, there have been 40 instances of a wide receiver getting 1,400 yards. Jefferson's the only rookie. So of the 39 other instances, aside from Jefferson, only twice did a team throw fewer than Minnesota did. So he did that mm. on a team that threw 516 passes. It's really hard to do what he did. It was incredible. It does make you a little bit nervous because they're not going to throw the ball. Their defense sucked last year, and they, and they only threw 516 times. But down the stretch, I mean, down the stretch, they were throwing a lot. Um, and one, as I was looking at, you know, how rare it is to be on an offense like this and get to 1,400 yards, look at Brandon Marshall in 2012. I know this is a little off subject, but Chicago was horrible. They threw for three, th- offensively, they threw for 3,300 yards. 3,300 yards. Brandon Marshall had 1,500 of them, 1,508. The next best receiver on the team was Earl Bennett. He had 375 yards. That's amazing. Yeah, so Brandon Marshall's 2012 season is incredibly underrated. He had like, what, 45% or so of the team's receiving yards? I don't know if that's my head. Amazing. Uh, and then, yeah, I, I don't know. I won't go through the whole list of 1,400 yard receivers, but I think the worst one in the uh, in the last ten seasons to get 1,400 yards, Emmanuel Sanders, Juju Smith-Schuster, and they did those in much different contexts. They did yeah. those in offenses that had a right. lot more overall yardage and, and volume. Wes Welker, Victor Cruz, Josh Gordon is is, is an exception. But Alshon Jeffrey, maybe he's the worst. But it's really hard not to be a great wide receiver. Like you can't do what Justin Jefferson did and be fluky. That's my point. Right. He is in an yeah, elite company. I kind of think they're the one of the comps for Jefferson would be AJ Brown as a rookie. Um obviously Jefferson was a lot more productive, but it's similar in that it was like outlier efficiency that we look at and say, well, AJ Brown's not gonna have twelve point five yards per target again. He's not gonna score. You know, one target touchdown every 10 targets. And all of that was pretty much true in year two. He did actually score one touchdown every 10 targets. But the fact that he did that as a rookie, you know, as a 22-year-old, bodes really, really well. And this is A.J. Brown, who was 22. Justin Jefferson was 21 in his rookie season. And, you know, obviously A.J. Brown went out year two. He wasn't as efficient, but he was an elite number one wide receiver for the Titans and a borderline fantasy number one wide receiver. Um Actually, probably a pretty solid fantasy wide receiver. But Jefferson had uh, like 40 more targets. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Jefferson had the elite efficiency on a higher volume. Mm -hmm. Oh, right, Just the fact that he was able to do that, even though we should expect some volume or uh, efficiency regression, Justin Jefferson should still be really, really good. And I think it's an open question how much the Vikings are going to throw next year. I think they're another team who could move on from their starting quarterback. There's a lot of that going around in the NFL right now. Niners might be interested in him. Yeah, that'd be interesting. If he shook uh, out. Yeah, that'd be interesting. I don't know. I yeah. don't know. I guess he's better than Jimmy Garoppolo, probably. Um, I think I yeah, think he is, and I think the coach would say that he's more comfortable with Cousins than Garoppolo at this point, but I think it also comes down to what, do you, what does it take to get Cousins away from the Vikings? I think the Vikings are probably okay with keeping Cousins, given... 
I think they're probably okay either way. I think that's kind of just okay either. I think right. that just kind of right. describes how they feel about Kirk Cousins. Yeah, but I don't think I don't I don't know if they're one of those teams that's trying desperately to yeah. get Deshaun Watson. Well, Maybe fell in their lap. Sure, of course they would. Every team would, but I don't I don't believe that they're trying to make a you know a big stride to try and get him like Carolina yeah. might be trying to do. Carolina's freed up $26 million in cap space in the last week, by the way. I'll do the news mm. and notes tomorrow since I knew tomorrow's tomorrow is sophomore tight ends. I don't think it's going to be as extensive as sophomore <laughs> wide receivers. Uh, any we'll other get deep into Cole Komet. Any other names you want to talk about? Denzel Mims, as we've discussed. Uh, but KJ Hamler, Van Jefferson, Lynn Bowden, Brian Edwards, Devin DuVernay, Antonio Gainey-Golden, Gabriel Davis, we talked about a little bit. Uh, Tyler Johnson... Colin Johnson, Joe Reed, Quintez Cephas, Isaiah Coulter, Donovan Peoples-Jones actually had a better year than most of the guys we've we've said. Mm-hmm. John Hightower and Quez Watkins for Philadelphia. And then Tyron Johnson, I believe that was technically his rookie year. He's 25 for the Chargers. He had bounced around some practice squads. This was his first action in the NFL. He was okay. Uh, I don't know any anyone who could come out of nowhere. I guess probably not going to be. I don't know how many of these guys are going to be drafted. Maybe Van Jefferson. Right. I mean, the Lions are going to lose Marvin Jones. There's that news that came out that he's not expected to stay. And Galladay could be tagged and traded. We know the Lions are pretty much tanking in 2021. Cephas could end up getting a lot of playing time and become an interesting. I, I think he's absolutely worth taking with a late pick. Just in case, just to see what happens, because he might have some nice opportunities in Detroit. Yeah, that was the name that jumped out at me in that group as well. Uh, the other one would probably be um, Gabriel Davis, who we've mentioned a few times. Mm-hmm. He was super efficient, big receiver. Um, you know, made a lot of big plays in that offense, and obviously, you know, we know that offense can sustain three fantasy relevant wide receivers because they don't use their tight ends or their running backs very much. So. Um, if he gets an opportunity and, and gets into a hundred target role, he'll he'll definitely be one of my favorite sleepers for twenty twenty one. And we really didn't talk a lot about Michael Pittman on the episode, but oh, you're right. I'm I'm sorry about that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he's got a chance to be a number one receiver in Indianapolis. We know that Carson Wentz is there now, and Wentz has leaned on bigger outside receivers over the course of his career, and that's exactly what he is. And if T. Y. Hilton moves on, then there there's a real opportunity for Pittman to be one of those guys that gets a rocket ship strapped to him and up he goes into the top five among the sophomore wide receivers. Yeah, and there was a stretch where it looked like he was emerging as the number one wide he receiver really did. around midseason. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we saw yeah, that big playability going, too, but... that that breakaway, uh, long touchdown catch and run. Mm-hmm. Pippen's the kind of guy that could come at it that could, he's not going to come out of nowhere, he's going to get drafted, but he could have a huge season. It just shouldn't shock you. That's just what these guys do and good pedigree and you know you would like to see them not add much because they're gonna run the ball they were 10th in rush attempts 20th in pass attempts Mm -hmm. but uh had 100 and had 101 scrimmage yards in the uh playoff game 90 receiving yards and an 11 yard run too yep yep all right all right all right well we didn't really talk that much about jalen rager either so give me and he was one of my favorites last year i loved him but uh, an early injury in training camp combined with Wentz's shortcomings kind of harpooned his rookie year. Uh, one of the things that I'm going to have to study about Jalen Hurts is just how frequently he went to the deep ball. Because I think that that's kind of something that he does when he's moving out of the pocket trying to avoid a sack is just chuck it downfield. And that could help Rager. I think he Rager and, and Hurts had some good plays together. 
yeah, can't Rager, quantify it right now, but I think that he he's got potential. It really does come down to what Philly does to improve their receiving core this offseason. I think Rager had a hamstring injury in camp. Then he had the shoulder injury right before week one. Then I think he had the thumb injury later on. So it was really yeah. a snake bitten rookie season for sure. And you know, you could say, well, maybe that makes him injury prone. We'll see whether that's the case, but uh, it was awfully hard for him to get going either yeah. way. He got hurt in week 17, played just 28% of the snaps. The three previous games that he played with Jalen Hurts, 19 targets. Not bad. It's 101 yeah, target. He's base. another great, great sleeper. A lot of passes, though, by by Hurts. As we know, the Eagles threw the ball a lot. But um, yeah, no, he, uh, right. He's a sleeper. Exciting class. They did some really, really good things, and that bodes well as maybe they can kind of, uh, you know, Run run things at wide receiver in the coming years and starts and ends with, with those. Kind of like the 2014 class did for a while. Mm-hmm. All righty, everybody. Thanks so much for listening. Sophomore tight ends tomorrow. Yeah. Tune I'm in. I'm going to think about another topic for the show. How about started fantasy points for quarterbacks? We can talk about that debacle. We will talk to you then. For Chris Towers and Dave Richard, I'm Adam Azer. See you later. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball and baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does. (laughs) Nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.